Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Matthew Stafford potentially getting moved to the 49ers. Seems like he is the first guy to truly be on the trade market where he's officially, I guess, decided ways to part with Detroit. Um, and then we're going to get into sort of a, an interesting discussion. Some people might like it. Some people probably won't like it just because it's weird to look back on. But we're going to be talking about how far this 2020 49ers team could have gone if there were no injuries. Obviously, they were there were. But we're going to talk about kind of just the top-end talent of this team. But before we start, I want to say something's going on with Debo Samuel and his brother. So hope he's all good. Hope everything's well with him. That looks pretty unfortunate, but I hope Debo's all right. But let's get on into Stafford. So the reports are that Stafford and Detroit have basically mutually agreed to part ways this offseason and that Stafford will be traded. Um, I, I think Detroit is a big-time mess. They are just in shambles there. Uh, they just hired Dan Campbell, who doesn't have very promising, uh, I guess, reports about him. And don't you, usually if a guy gets hired, that's kind of comes out of the blue. A lot of people like stand by him like, oh, this guy's great, you know, whatever. It doesn't seem like that's the case with Campbell. And I think it was today Stafford basically said, or Stafford didn't say, but someone said that because they let go of their former offensive coordinator, that was kind of like the last straw for Stafford. Um, and, and so I don't blame Stafford all for wanting to go. I, I think it's smart for him. He's been in Detroit for, what is this, 11, 12 years? And he's had one playoff berth. And he's never had an 1,000-yard rusher. And, yeah, he had Calvin Johnson. And then Calvin Johnson retired super early, as did Barry Sanders in Detroit. But I don't blame Matthew Stafford at all. But I'll, get in, I'll let you start, Aiden. What do you think about Stafford wanting out? Do you think it's something that's acceptable? Do you think it's fair to him? 100% think it's fair to Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's toiled away his career in, in Detroit and has not, hasn't had a whole lot to show for it. I'd say that the best moment of his career came in that NFL Films video where he throws out his shoulder, comes out, uh, and then they call a timeout, and he's able to come in and then throw the game-winning touchdown. And if that is your best moment in, what, 12 years as an NFL quarterback, I think it's time to move on. Uh, I'd love for the Niners to get him. I just don't want us to give up too much. I think best case, you have probably five years of Stafford left. Obviously, that that fits well with our window. We have a lot of players in their prime right now. And as we saw last year, we're, we're primed to win games. Uh, we just need a quarterback to lead us there. Stafford could definitely be that guy. Uh, I think he fits the timeline. Just worried about potentially giving up too much. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, I like what Aiden uh, said. I think it is a fair shake for Stafford. I think that the Lions are right in offering, you know, hey, can we trade you somewhere where you want to go? I don't know exactly the conversations internally they've had. I'm not sure if he's going to have any kind of dictation on where he goes. But uh, I do think that he does deserve to get out of Detroit just because they have never surrounded him with the proper talent since he's been there. 100% agree. I think that when you play somewhere like Detroit, somewhere like Cleveland, somewhere like the Jets, I guess, those type of franchises that just don't succeed and you've been a very talented player, I think it's really hard to blame those quarterbacks especially. Like, hey, this guy never won. Because you hear that about Stafford a lot. 
oh, this guy never won. And I said just a little bit ago, he never had an 1,000-yard rusher. That is something that is just crazy. He's been there for, what, 12 years? They had Reggie Bush. They drafted Carryon Johnson earlier. They drafted Swift this year. Now, I don't think Swift is going to rush for 1,000 as a rookie, but guys rush for 1,000 yards almost routinely, and he's never had that. He's, and, and it's not like they just have, like, oh, they've always had a committee, like a strong committee. No, they just haven't had a run game ever. And you look at some of the some of the issues people have with them is one one of the big ones is, well, he gets hurt a lot. He gets hurt a lot, but he doesn't miss games. His first year, his rookie season, he played ten games. I believe that was because he was a rookie. Then his second year, he only played three, and then in twenty nineteen, he played half the season. He played eight games. Every other season of his career, he started every single game, all sixteen. That is incredibly impressive. And I know he's had the back injuries and he's had the hip injuries. And this year he had a thumb injury. Most of the time he's still playing. And they haven't had the best offensive lines there. They haven't had the best players. Yeah, they've had some nice receivers. Yeah, they had Kenny Galladay the last couple of years. Well, looking back in 2019, Stafford played eight games, threw for 2,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, and five picks. That would have been a hell of a season if he would have kept that up for the second half. But unfortunately, he get, he went down with the – it was the hip injury. So. The value for Stafford, I think, will be pretty high. But people talk about him like he's a borderline top 10 guy. And some people probably have him about like a middle tier quarterback, I guess. I think he is a clear top 10 player or top 10, sorry, quarterback, not player. (laughs) He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I think that's very obvious. Probably have him like seven or eight. And some people are like, well, hey, he's not clutch. Hey, he hasn't won. Hey, he hasn't done that. Like, yeah, if you look at the accolades, I guess he's not there. But if you look at the talent and you look at that he's not had a good, not had good coaching around him, not had good defenses, not had good run game, but all he's had to work with is some good wide receivers and him just balling out. I think it's really hard to judge him on, oh, well, he hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. He is a very good player. He is worth the value. I do think it's a little bit concerning that he's going to be 33 on February 7th this year. So he'll just turn 33 in a, in a couple weeks now. And he has had some injuries, but I still think it's worth it. I definitely think for the 49ers, it's a move that you should want to make. He's a clear upgrade. He's a very clear upgrade. And I like Jimmy. I still think Jimmy's a solid player. I would say he's an above average quarterback, which I think a lot of 49er fans just think he sucks now. <laughs> I don't think that's fair to him. He's been hurt a lot too, but having Stafford, your high end is is much better. And so for that reason, I, I like them going after him. Jake or Aiden, what do you guys think, man? Do you guys do you guys want them to pull the trigger? Do you think this is something that would be really smart? Uh like I said earlier, I think it's super smart if if the price is right. I think the fact that we're picking at 12 is a definite advantage. One of the teams that he's really linked to is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and I think Matt was saying before the pod that the Niners first and third round picks equal the Colts first and second round picks. So the fact that we're picking at 12 definitely helps two first rounders is stretching it a little bit. Uh, we're just not sure what the market looks like. Uh, we got the, the, the market for Deshaun Watson relatively quickly. Um, people were explaining that it'd be three first round picks plus potentially a player that seems a little ripe even for Deshaun Watson. 
So I'm I'm in it if 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 the price is right, and I'll leave Shanahan and Lynch to choose that price and see if the Lions are willing to bite on it. Uh, to touch on your point about whether he's top ten or not. Personally, for myself, I don't have Stafford in the top 10 yet, and I don't think that's uh, a knock on Stafford. I think that's more a knock on Detroit. As you said, haven't surrounded him with this 1,000-yard rusher. Even you look at his weapons, Hawkinson's a good tight end, but he's not up there with the Wallers and the Kittles and the Kelseys, really. And even guys like Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay's a great physical receiver, but he doesn't separate. So it kind of puts Stafford in these awkward situations where, you know, maybe sometimes he's just forcing it, 50-50 balling it. And so I think in a 49er system, he is easily a top 10 quarterback because Kyle Shanahan knows how to get guys open. Getting back to the point, though, I think he does fit our timeline. I know there's a lot of guys who want us to draft a quarterback. I just think drafting a quarterback right now, it's simply impossible. When you look at the Chiefs, a lot of people want to compare us to the Chiefs because we were just there in the Super Bowl with them. And, oh, look, they had Alex Smith before they had Mahomes. They also had a way, way different team. Their team was aging. They were going through this process of drafting guys. And people forget, like, Tyree Kill they drafted. Travis Kelsey had just barely kind of been breaking out. Like, they were in a perfect situation to draft a kid because – Alex Smith was getting older. He was climbing in age. We don't really have that same situation with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just that Jimmy Garoppolo simply isn't good enough to kind of win a Super Bowl on his arm. Do I think Matt Stafford is? I think he can be in this system. And I think he fits our timeline better uh, to Aiden's point. So what I'd be willing to give up for him, being that we're at pick 12, we are going to have a little bit more power. I think that Uh, The Broncos are another team. I think they're at pick nine. They're a team that's kind of like a QB away. So they can make that move. I'm not really into getting into a bidding war for Stafford. I am a huge fan of him. As I said, I think he would be top 10 on this team. Uh, But I just don't think I would give up anything more than maybe pick 12, a third, and like a later round pick, like a six or a seven. And I think that's what his value is too. I really think it is. It, it's definitely the 12th pick. I've heard people say like, well, what if we gave up a second for Stafford? There's no way that that's going to be the best offer on the table. There's just not a chance. You brought up Denver. I think that's a really good team that could try to outbid us, I guess. Same thing with Indianapolis. Some people mentioned the Bears. I would find it very odd if he was traded within the division. Maybe the 49ers are at a disadvantage being in the same conference as the Lions. I still don't think that is a large factor. I think. I think more of in the division is the bigger deal. So I don't know if that would be a, a like big no, no for the, the Lions organization to do like by trading him within the conference. I think that's fine, but I don't know, man. I, I think that Stafford, you said, you don't know if he's a top 10. I know you're talking about the situation. I still think he definitely is. Um, also we brought up like you brought up a uh, drafting a quarterback early. I still think the 49ers could totally do it. I don't think that today's NFL, if you get a young quarterback, like you can get a young quarterback and just have them plug and play into a team and like, hey, you're, you're going to win a lot. And we've seen Kyle do it with a lot of guys. I mean, we saw him with Manziel. Now Manziel was a mess. 
but he definitely helped Manziel with a learning curve. You know, like they had to dumb down the offense. Kyle completely changed the offense in Cleveland. Like he can do that for a guy. And I don't know how much the 49ers want to trade up to a top five pick. I don't think they want to do that. And I also don't think they, I really don't think they want to draft a guy like Trey Lance at 12 unless they can't upgrade at Jimmy Garoppolo, like at the starter level. Because if you take a guy like Lance or a guy in the later rounds, I think that they would plan on him being, I guess, like in the, like in the waiting, like, like almost like how the Packers are doing with Jordan Love or how the Chiefs did with Mahomes. But if you take the project guy, like I don't think you take a project guy early if you trade for Stafford. And I think the only way they do that is if they keep Jimmy and you almost have Jimmy in that Alex Smith type role, I guess, if we're, if we're talking about the Chiefs, just because you, you brought that up. I think the big reason why we're not going to see a big time trade up um, on draft night, it's pretty simple, is we talked, I mean, they've been saying it in their pressers now forever, it feels like. They just value the picks way too much. We heard them talk about last year. We've heard Kyle and John both say it. They kind of felt like they had their hands tied behind their back last year in the draft. Just, you know, maneuvering, doing these little things. How are we going to get Kinlaw? How are we going to trade back up and get Ayuk? Okay, now we have to move these picks and future picks for Williams and constant, you know, troubles trying to maneuver their draft board that they really didn't have in previous years. And I don't think the 49ers like to operate like that. I think they come from the school of thought of, hey, we're going to work with what we have in the draft. Let's not sell our draft board off just to go get one or two players. So I think personally, they won't trade up to get a quarterback. And if they are going to get a quarterback, it's either going to be one in free agency. Maybe we see a Rodgers slip there. I doubt it. Just kind of throwing that out there. Or I think it's going to be one where they trade for, where it's going to be a little bit less value, where they're still going to have a ton of picks on their board, but maybe they are okay parting ways with, say, a first rounder. Well, think about this too. If you're trading... 12 and let's say a third in Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just the price. And, and Jimmy might not go to Detroit, but he'll go somewhere else. And I, I do think teams want Jimmy and at least want him in the building, maybe on a, a restructured deal or whatever, but getting Stafford as an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo at 12, that's a big deal. That's a good use of your first round pick. Yeah. That guy might not be there for 10 years, well, guess what, Aiden? You said five years. In five years, he's going to be 37. That's, I mean, how many quarterbacks are playing at 37? Wasn't Rodgers, he was, what, 36 or 37 this year? And I think that's a, a comparable, um, like, comparable arm strength. Maybe they're different players. I mean, Rodgers has had so much more success. I don't think that they're a fair comparison. But as far as arm talent and just physical tools, Stafford is definitely way up there. And we don't see him a lot doing the stuff that Rodgers does. He totally makes those, you know, the sidearm play. I remember a few years ago when Stafford was really just balling, where he had he's had five thousand yard season, forty one touchdowns, tremendous year back in two thousand eleven. So that was quite some time ago. But you would see him on highlight reels all the time, throwing it like a like a around his tackle almost. And so, if you're trading the twelfth pick, a third rounder, and you're parting ways with Jimmy Garoppolo. One, Jake, you told me this. We save like $7 million in cap space. And two, 
you are upgrading quarterback, the most important position in all of sports, and you are keeping everyone on your roster. At least like everyone, you know, you're not parting with a Nick Bosa or a Fred Warner that could potentially happen with a Watson deal. Like you're going to have a defense that is elite, is very elite, especially if you can hang on to some cornerbacks and you still have a bunch of draft capital. A lot of late round picks. Guess what? We talked about this last episode. Adam Peters is staying. He's the guy that's nailed on a lot of those picks. Maybe they don't produce immediately in 2021, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if in 2023 or 2024, one of those late round picks is a stud, even a star player. You can have, we've had Drain Laws, Fresh George Kittles. Why can't you have another one of those guys with a late round pick? Especially in a year like this year, where you have a lot of front offices changing and you just have a weird, a really weird year. The COVID year is going to be one of the hardest years to evaluate players. If they truly believe in their front office on nailing picks, I bet you they will have guys that they view as second round players getting that they can take in the sixth round be, just because there's such a weird thing where you can find a small school guy that's like has no film, but you're like, Hey, he has so much talent and those guys might not be good right away, but eventually they can turn into really good players. So if you're just parting with a little bit of draft capital and you also have everything moving forward and you have those other two third rounders in 2022 and 2023, the window is really open. You're getting yourself a five-year window with Stafford to end his career where he is a very talented quarterback. Kyle made Matt Ryan an MVP. You're telling me that Stafford being two years older couldn't do the same thing or three years older um, in 2022 in his second year with Kyle because that's always the big thing. It's like, oh, second year with Kyle. I think it could totally happen. I think that they could be Super Bowl contenders. I think that if they got Stafford, they would immediately be the best team in the NFC as long as Brady retires, I guess. But even, I would even think that they could be better than the Bucks if they have Stafford. I really do. I think they would be the top dogs in the NFC West for sure. And you can take a project quarterback in this year and next year's draft that Kyle just wants to groom under Stafford. And that could be something that where they could become very successful with. So I'm all for it. I think you trade a first and a third. And Jimmy, I think that's what you what the deal is. If you have to give up a little bit more, though, I'm not opposed to that either. Now, this wouldn't happen right away. This is more of a, hey, a lot of other quarterbacks getting moved to other places. Because I know that Aiden, you said that there were, what, 18 quarterbacks that could potentially be moved? Yeah, and they didn't even have, have Tua on that list. So it, would, it, it could even be upwards of, of 18. Yeah, so right now there's so many rumors and stuff. But Stafford is the only guy that seems like, it's pretty concrete that he's going to be gone. That, and that's why you talk about a guy like this. Because, like, Rodgers, guess what, guys? Rodgers is probably not going to leave. If he did leave, it's a no-brainer. Go after Rodgers, right? But that's just probably not going to happen. Same thing with, with Watson. You put your deal on the table, but you're going to have to give up so much, and there are probably teams that are going to outbid you. With Stafford, there might only be a couple teams. It might only be the Colts and the Broncos that are really pursuing him. Because a lot of the other teams with cap space – they're young and have a young quarterback or don't, they don't have a reason to, they don't, their timeline doesn't fit with Stafford. So I think the Niners trading a first and a third is, would be awesome. I think that would be just a tremendous move. I'm all for it. Draft a p- couple project guys. Shit, do what the Packers used to do and draft a guy this year, next year, and the year after. And if one of them hits, then, hey, one of them hits and you got your, your future quarterback. But let's try to win. You know, let's get this guy that 
that can definitely win. And I think that's what Kyle wants too. I really do. I, you brought up, you don't think they're going to get a quarterback, like to have a rookie starting. I don't think that's the case either. It's exciting. And I, you know, I like Trey Lance. so I'd be so down. I mean, I get super excited on draft day if they took him. but if you want to win in 2021 and you want to win in 2022 and 2023, Stafford is the move. All right. So, so let's move on to this conversation about how far, a healthy 2020 49ers roster would have gone. I'll start off by saying, I think there's one team in the NFC that I'm somewhat confident they would not be able to beat. And they still could. And that team would be the Buccaneers. And I know that Brady can't move that well. And I know that the 2019 team was so dominant just because of their pass rush. The 2020 roster wasn't going to be as good because of the loss of the Forrest Buckner. So I do think that that, dominant defensive line wouldn't have quite been there and also I'll also add that I'm a big Javon Kinlaw fan but he's not quite there yet like he's going to take a little bit I think next year we're going to see him take a huge step but as far as his 2020 roster goes I think that they were still really good I think they were still really elite we saw a shell of Jimmy Garoppolo with the ankle injury the, the dude couldn't plant and then he went down again and just kept going down but Looking at these playoff teams that were in the NFC, I'll go through them all. The Bucs, I think they're the most difficult team. I mean, they came out of it, but I think they were the best. The Saints probably had the second best roster. Problem was, Drew Brees, first of all, he had a torn rotator cuff and like 11 broken ribs. Couldn't throw the ball 30 yards. So I think that in a playoff matchup, that would have been a good sign for the 49ers defense. I think they would have just routed the Bucks or the Saints, sorry, really. Um, the Packers, you could say that that you would take the Packers over the Niners. Problem is, let's look back on 2019. And like I said, not the same team. But the big thing is here, the run game for the Niners. The, the Packers just can't handle it. They really just can't. Um, and then moving on, the Rams, the Niners beat them with Nick Mullins. I don't think we need to say anything else. The Seattle Seahawks, probably another one that you could maybe say is a toss-up just because those games always are. Um, and then the Bears and the Washington football team, I would be pretty confident that the Niners, being healthy in 2020, would win that. But, Aiden, what do you think about this this discussion? Uh, going through our 2020 schedule, we lost in week one to Arizona. We were mostly healthy, so we can conservatively say that that would still be a, a loss. Then we beat both the New York teams, but Jimmy went down in the Jets game. Uh, Mullins started the Giants game, uh, actually played pretty well. But those, those were wins, uh, and they would still be wins if everybody was, was healthy. I think we beat the Eagles if Garoppolo plays. Considering we lost by 30 to the Dolphins, going to chalk that up as an L. Uh, we would be 3-2 and two at this point. Uh, and then we beat both the Rams and the Patriots uh, with Jimmy coming back. But, again, Bosa and everything is out. We're, what, 5-2 and two at that point? And then this is when the Ls started to pick up. Lost by 10 to Seattle. 17 to Green Bay, and 14 to the Saints. I think we win at least one, probably two of those. Um, beat the Rams again, because all, all the 49ers do is beat the Rams. Uh, lose to Buffalo. Might, might lose that one with, with everybody healthy. I think we beat Washington. I think we beat Dallas. Uh, we, be, we beat the Cardinals the second time around, and I think we, we beat Seattle in Week 17. So what is that, 12-4? and four? That means we either – Close to winning the the division, but like like you said, I think we'd struggle with the Bucks. They have a really good good defense over there. 
they're built in a similar way. They're they're really good in the front seven and play. I mean, Fournette was a major key in that in that Packers win last night. I think we we'd have trouble with them, but like you said, some things never change. The Niners beating the Packers in the playoffs is is one of those things. Uh, we've we've done it with Kaepernick. We we've done it with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we've done it with all the way back to Steve Young. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, and Shanahan has Lafleur's number. Um, so I'd say we're we're worried about the Bucks, but I would I'd, I'd be surprised if we a weren't in the playoffs or b get as far as the NFC Championship. And of course, we we could we could beat the Bucks, um, but I think the realistic expectation would be NFC Championship, and then potentially a a loss to the Bucks. But I don't think anyone's beating the the Chiefs this year. Uh, just to add on that. I would say just looking at it from a playoff standpoint, because assuming we are healthy, there was no way that this team wasn't going to make the playoffs. So when you look at it from a playoff perspective, assuming that we're dealing with only the AFC champion, because we wouldn't play anybody else if we were to play an AFC team. So you're looking at the Chiefs and then everybody in the NFC. Who do I think the teams uh, that could beat us would be? I think it's only the Bucks and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I've said this all season long. I just feel like they're just a cut above everybody. Mahomes is the best at his position. I think Kelsey is probably the best, at least this season, at his position. Tyreek Hill is just ridiculous. Tyron Matthews is ridiculous. Their defense as a whole isn't, like, outstanding. But when you have guys like Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, you just make it work. They've already beaten us once. They kind of have a feel for how we play. If we were to rematch again this year, I you know even fully healthy, I, I don't know that we would beat the Chiefs. They're just so, so good. And then looking at the Bucs, uh, I think there is something to be said about a championship pedigree. I mean, look at how they changed. We're talking about this, pretty much the same exact roster last year as it was this year for the Bucs. And the results were miles different and all they did pretty much was bring in Gronkowski, Fournette and Brady and Brady and Gronk alone probably bring in two things into the locker room that you couldn't add on a stat sheet but Matt you want to chime in real quick so I'll let you jump in. I was just gonna say you forgot AB too. Yeah and Antonio Brown but I don't know if I really count Antonio Brown after him missing the last game. I, I do agree he was pretty pivotal uh, in there, I guess, for half the season. You, you can't discredit the games that he was healthy in because that might be one of the best receiving cores maybe ever with Evans, Godwin, and A.B. That's a pretty gross one, two, three. There's definitely no limit of weapons there. Um, I do think the Bucs, being that I think they have a great offensive line, Two, it would be tough for guys like Bosa to get in there. Uh, Bosa's just an animal, though. I, I still think he gets a couple. But when you look at how our team is crafted, we this year especially saw the holes um, in the offensive line, and we saw how badly Rodgers was getting beat up yesterday. Guy had, I think, five sacks uh, totaled against him. We've seen the holes in our secondary just with, you know, the shifting. Tart was out. So you move Ward over and Moore kind of had a couple suspect games and Sherman 
maybe he was playing her was looking a little suspect in a couple games as well. So I just think because of that and just the talent level of the Bucks and the Chiefs, I think we probably lose to both those guys. But like you guys said, I, I don't think there's any other teams in the NFC where you're kind of penciling them in as, oh, we should be really, really scared of those guys. And also, like I said, this is a very odd thing to talk about just because the 49ers were hurt and like it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day and there's no reason to dwell on the past. But I also like talking about this, just thinking about the future of the team. And we bring up like the Bucks, the Bucks front seven probably would have been very successful against the 49ers offensive line. As we saw all year, obviously quarterback play was the biggest issue, but offensive line was a close second. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. The right guard and center position were atrocious. I think we saw Mike McGinchey take a step back in pass protection. I know some people just seem to think he sucks. I don't think that's the case. Also, sorry if it's getting loud out here. Somehow it's hailing and sunny at the same time. I don't know how that's the case. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's odd, man, because this team was obviously very good. But there were some clear holes, and there were some, I guess, not weaknesses necessarily, but some positions where – there was just average play and it wasn't improved like quarterback. And then Jimmy goes down. So you have a big time decline there, but also offensive line you add, you didn't help the interior offensive line. Now you did add Trent Williams and he was tremendous. He was a fantastic player. Number one graded tackle. And somehow he didn't make an all pro. It's getting really loud here, (laughs) but I just think that this team would have been really good, but not quite good enough. And I'll end my part there. If you guys want to add anything, go ahead. But it's getting pretty loud on my end. Like, like Matt said, um, it seems a little weird, but this is an important exercise for, for next year. Looking at our 2021 opponents right now, um, we should be favored in most games. Um, looking at this, uh, playoff teams not in our division that, that we're going to play next year are the Packers, who could be losing Aaron Rodgers. The, the Colts, who lost Phillip Rivers, major question marks at quarterback. The Bears, who I think everybody would admit is not a fantastic playoff team. And the Titans, they're, they're a solid team, but I don't think anybody reals, realistically sees them as a true contender. And that's it for playoff teams outside of our division. Of course, you have the Rams and the Seahawks, who both made the playoffs this year, and the Cardinals are going to continue to improve. But the 49ers just beat the Rams uh, twice in a 6-10 and 10 season. And the Seahawks are continuing to regress. Um, so looking at this schedule, even with Jimmy at, at, at quarterback, I'm confident in winning 13 games against this schedule. Um, and, of course, you never know what, what's going to happen. Um, injuries and if, if COVID is still a thing, opt-outs. But looking at this schedule and thinking about how good the Niners would have been this past year, um, I think it's an important exercise as, as we look forward. Yeah, and like you said, it is an important exercise because we pretty much touched on all our holes in this exercise. I think that going into the draft, you absolutely have to emphasize interior offensive line. I kind of think they saw – Um, what they did last year with Dan Brunskill and thought, okay, let's run this guy out there. He seems like he's working. And he worked last year because the offensive line was kind of playing together. And then 
I believe it was Richburg who went down. It was either Richburg or Garland. One of the two went down. Uh, oh, Richburg in, uh, in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who it was. And the offensive line kind of went sideways. Ever since then, I believe it's been in the 20s. I believe before then it was in like the mid-teens. like teens. I believe it was like 14 to 17 range. So it did get worse after Richburg went down just because we all know, you know, lines play as a unit. And you lose one guy in the unit. Now you don't know necessarily how much you can trust the guy next to you. So I think emphasizing interior offensive line is uh, it's going to be crucial. And then also potentially filling in, I guess, quote unquote, question marks at secondary. We've been talking a lot about, oh, who are we going to lose in secondary? Who are we going to keep? Are we going to keep Tart? Are we going to keep Moore? Are we going to keep, and Moore is not a free agent, but you're just questioning if he's a starter or whatever. So you kind of have to fill out those question marks. But overall, looking ahead, I, I do think this 49ers team is in a really, really good position to win uh, for this season and even a couple seasons beyond that. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you're listening to this on YouTube for the first time, give us a subscribe and a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, five-star rating and review. That stuff helps a lot. So thanks, everyone, and we will either talk to you guys later this week or next week.